Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wine and Jesus. This is Gio here with Jen and Jordan. Wow, we just finished another episode of The Bachelor starring Woo-hoo. Maddie James. Um, <laughs> so after that awesome train wreck, what, what else do we got going in our lives? <laughs> well, um, it's been a little bit of an irritating day. Um, so I would like to ask the question... Remember good old phrase, WWJD? What would Jonathan Taylor Thomas do? Yes. (laughs) What would Jesus do? So, I mean, like, he was human. So he had to have encountered certain times in which people pissed him off. I should explain. I'm talking about daycare. I think I'm going to break up with him. I'm frustrated. That makes me wonder... What would Jesus do? Like, if Jesus were in these situations, and I know, like, there's probably biblical references to showcase how he maybe was in certain said situations. He didn't have a kid. Well, he he didn't have a kid. He didn't have those types of situations, but he still (laughs) probably had um, frustrations or, um, you know, like, differing opinions with people in which he felt compelled to speak out on said differing opinions Mm -hmm. with people, whether he's asking for them to provide a service or not, I guess beyond the point, but like, what would he have done? Like, how would he have addressed what he felt like in his heart he needed to address without being rude? And would he have? Would he would yeah. just have really just turned the other cheek and been like, that's fine. Like, you're right. Like, I should just keep paying you and you should keep walking all over me. <laughs> Does anybody want to share like a Jesus story that they do just remember off the top of their heads from like their kids stories days or anything like that? Like, do you guys remember any stories that Jesus either told or any stories about Jesus you guys remember from the Bible? As far as stories of, like, how Jesus acted if he was, you know, if, I don't know. I'm sure there are stories in the Bible of people confronting him and saying, you're saying you're the Lord and blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, Gio would know all about that. Well, no, yeah, so what's cool and interesting at the same time is most of us are conditioned i think probably through religion or church to see all the stories about jesus of his deity of his greatness of his power of his miracles all these like really powerful things that you hear in the bible like the lady that just wanted to touch the hem of his garment or you know and and that was a cool story because jesus was like i love that story i felt power come out of me he says so he even knew like when somebody like got a little something of him he was like hey who was that and so it's it's super interesting that's a side note but um you hear all these stories about jesus's awesome power and stuff but you also have to understand jesus was born a baby he was a kid he grew up and and um so the humanity of jesus is a lot of stuff that we might overlook in the bible and not when i say humanity i don't mean sinfulness i mean he was one of us. He went through the same stuff as us. He went through the same stupid frustrations that we do with the people that we hire. And, you know, um, it's super easy to, like, see him do it perfectly. And then we're like, that stupid jerk. And you just want to, like, slash their tires and, and you know, write a hateful note and mail it to them, perhaps. 
But um, comment I, card. Yeah, comment card. a comment card at, at the least that says you. Suck. Okay, but so again, what would Jesus do? Like, are there situations yeah. where he so, had to respond to these situations? So um, I, I pulled up a couple. I don't need to throw them all out here at once, but um, I just pulled up a couple throughout the four gospels um, that interested me regarding. Um, some of the stuff that Jesus did slash said. Um, so one of the things is, who did he hang out with the most? Um, here's one from Mark chapter 2. Um, verse. I'm going to start in verse 15 of Mark chapter 2. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, and there were many who followed him. Um, and then the Pharisees come in, they're like, you're eating with all these losers that, you know, are sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. They were the mafia of the day. So like Jesus is hanging out with mafiosos and prostitutes and, and he's supposed to be this like holier than thou teacher that teaches, that's supposed to self-proclaim Messiah. Like what's going on here? It stands out to us even today and I can't really blame the Pharisees of the time because they just grew up in their religious teachings too, but they see Jesus hanging out with these like scums of the earth for some reason. Um, but he, I mean, he had to have been doing it for some reason. He realized what he was doing at this point. He was in his anointed 30-year-old phase at this point, so he's very aware. Um, and Jesus' awesome reply is, it's not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous you guys but the sinners those who realize that they're sinners so i think jesus was more pointing out to the pharisees who were like the jewish leaders of the time that hey you know why aren't you guys doing this why am i the only one doing this you guys are so righteous that you can't help those that are sick because like sometimes those people that are down in the dumps or super mean evil people they were probably that way for a reason, not because they were just born and all of a sudden they're like, I want to be evil one day. They probably grew up in a bad situation and, and that's all they knew. And so they're carrying it on just like the Sadducees do, but in a different way. So Jesus realizes the sickness in those people and says, you guys should be doing what I'm doing right now, but instead I'm the one doing it. So what's up with that? So number one, I always see Jesus as unconventional. That's like my big word for the day. Ooh, He's I like that. unconventional. Unconventional. But you didn't answer my question That's a good way how to think he would handle though. a situation. Yeah. So, a frustrating situation? Yeah. Ah, like, okay. Like, he had to have been placed in them. Yes. I so, don't feel... Did he feel those feelings, though? Okay, here's I a here's think, a good example. I mean, he felt people sadness. literally tortured him to death, and he was still trying to save people. But he was mourning as well when that happened. I know, like, praying but out I'm to just God. saying, he, he like didn't say, for, F you all for doing this to me. He didn't have no. that anger mm -hmm. in his heart. I don't know if that was even yeah, he, in he, there. I think he realized he, like who he was at, at some point in his humanity, and... Um, by the time he was on the cross, he had realized his purpose. He, he knew who he was, what he was sent for, and, and what he was here for. So um, he just, I mean, he was the perfect example of what we should be doing in those hard situations. But here's a good example um, of him in a, let's say, a, a heated situation. So John chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 13. It was almost time for the Passover, so everybody who's anybody that's a Jew is like going into Jerusalem to the temple. And in the temple courts, he
he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, exchanging money. Could you imagine like walking into your church and they're like, churros, churros, and there's another guy over here with a goat walking in the back taking dukes in the corner. Like, <laughs> What church you? did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> so he made a whip out of cords. He's like, I'm going to show these peeps what's going on. Um, this what makes me believe in like a holy, righteous, like, it's not a, an anger or retribution, but it's like, dude, you are doing something wrong, and here's why. And so he makes a whip out of cords, and he was like driving him out of the temple. He was like, get out of here, hee-ya, hee-ya, get out of here. And, uh, um, you know, he drove everybody out of the cords, and the sheep and the cattle are scattering, scattering coins all over the place. And into some of the people that were selling random crap in there. He goes, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Are you kidding me? Um, And the disciples, when he had said that, they remembered a verse from, um, oh, I want to say Isaiah, but I'm probably getting it wrong. But maybe it's Jeremiah. Zeal for your house will consume me. So as they were watching Jesus do this, they remembered a prophecy about the Messiah. And it basically quoted... Um, your zeal for your house will consume me. So he was so like, this is not how life is supposed to be. So he did get, you could call it angry, I guess, or whatever you want to call making some chords and like, you know, screaming at people to get out of there. Um, But he had those moments of like, utmost passion, right? So you can't always self-condemn yourself for for getting heated um, in the moment, but you should try to focus on like what he did was he didn't necessarily he, he kind of went a little nuts if you will but he also used it to make a point you guys are like this is insane and here's why it's not just random blatherings like you'll see on cnn like lashing News. out or anything yeah it's not like those people are stupid and here you know they're just they don't understand they're just idiots well no you can't just write somebody off um, as just, you know, whatever, because they're idiots. No, there's a reason why they're doing it. And he's like, you guys are trying to make money off of something that's supposed to be not about money, the opposite of money. And so, yeah, I'd get pissed too. Um, so that's one where he actually gets angry and it doesn't really give you a resolution. Like he didn't be like, I'm sorry, guys, I shouldn't have yelled. No, it was like, you guys are screwing this up. This is like supposed to be a sacred thing. And you as self-proclaimed Jews are doing this to the holy place. You know? So he did speak up where relevant yeah. when necessary. Yes. But not out of emotion, out of like... Yeah. So it's different. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of us just lash out in emotion with mm. no intention that's just like human nature honestly but yeah i think mostly out of pride or some Mm -hmm. some or something like that yeah or just in wanting to tell them that they're wrong i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) so uh what do you have any other like is it being pride and boastful of sin probably but i mean what makes one sin better than another wait is that part of the ten commandments um, I don't think about anything about prideful being boastful. Or boastful? Um, no. no, no, no. It's probably that? like one of what like the five hundredth. Like you can honor your <laughs> no. it says honor your father and mother. I wonder. Yeah. Or don't covet things. 
don't make idols. What does that um, like? Why? Why is there like certain sins that are like held higher than other sins? Like Ooh. we as humans oh, try to dictate like so what classifies a as a sin. Yeah, that's. So like, yeah, why is we as humans try to classify what what classifies as like a sin on the tier levels? Like, why do we have like severities? Like, mm-hmm. well, your sin rates as a this, so it's okay to keep repeating that day to day. But like, your sin repeats as a two so like you shouldn't do that as much but like if you do it more than like twice a week i'll probably say something to you because then i judge you but like so then you have to ask intervention if like one of the ten commandments is honor your father and mother but also one of the ten commandments is do not murder so if you don't honor your father and mother is that as as bad in god's eyes as murdering someone because then you really kind of can start going down that hole because that's like so in our eyes totally different we don't honor our father and mother probably on the daily it's, it's but we're not murdering people on the daily well, either the but we're that, still that's but jesus came and he like made one commandment like the one commandment is just like to love each other like that's it like that's the commandment that like overturns all of those list of commandments that moses so got. then why did he make those ten commandments um well, was that- the Ten Commandments was Old Testament, and the Ten Commandments were actually never Ten Commandments. It was always, like, there was always way more than Ten Commandments, but I think it's Catholicism that maybe broke it down into Ten Commandments. Is well, that right? There there was, like, ten first ones, and then the rest came. Um, so uh, most people, most Christians, you should say, hold the first, the first Ten Commandments higher than, like, all the other ones, but... Oh. So that's where that yeah, comes from. Yeah, you're right. But how many like, commandments just, were there total? Like 613. Okay, I was like, I the thought there was like, of, yeah, it was Moses. pretty up there. But then Jesus came and Jesus says like, none of that matters anymore. That's old law. Like, well, new, because yeah. like some of that was like what you should eat. Like unclean animals yeah. were like, those were some of the commandments right. in there as well. And he right. came and he was like, listen, like you guys just need to love each other. Like be nice humans and like you the rest will kind of follow suit so like that's you'll just kind of the just blanket do what you're supposed to but like so that's my point like why do we as humans then like rate other people's sins like we say like this is a sin but this isn't a sin or i know that you're doing this and that's a daily mm. sin but it's acceptable because it's like the social norm which is really just like living for the world and not living for god which is an actual mm. verse that tells you not to live for the world and that you should live what is it like keep your I set on things above. Oh. Um, I have to find the verse. But basically just telling you, you know, not to live for the world. But that's what that is when you classify, I feel like, other people's sins. Like, you're just basically saying, like, well, that's that's a sin in my eyes, but I do this on a daily basis, and God would forgive that because that's not as big of a deal as to what I think what you're doing is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so before, like, that conversation even starts is, I think, what a lot of people overlook is what do they define as sin and what is their understanding of how does God deal with sin or how did God deal with sin is, I would probably question it. So when you put your trust in what Jesus did for us, um, then the sin itself is merely a consequence will cause consequences here in the earthly realm if you could consider it that way when you put your trust in jesus you're good with you're good up and down going up to the god right 
but you still have the left and right horizontal plane of how it might affect your relationships in the world that you live in. And, and um, one of the interesting quotes here from 1 John chapter 2 that Jen just pulled up, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the Father. Love for the Father is not in them. I'm sorry, I misquoted that. Um, so it's basically saying like, yeah, focus your sights on heaven. With, having said that, you also kind of need to be wary of being no earthly good because you're too focused on heaven. Um, so some people are just ready to get out of here so they can be in heaven. And, and God wants us to do something here on earth while we're here. So we also have to be aware of that. Um, another verse from Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So um, a lot of, lot of stuff from a few of the apostles saying, you know, like, deal, uh, deal with people as though you are part of the kingdom of God, because you are. Um, back to my point, though, um, I think a lot of people view sin um, in tears, as you said, and they just view sin in general in the wrong way. Um, I like what you said when you, I like that, when you were talking about how we're supposed to be focused on going to heaven and, and being, you know, good in, in that way, but we're, we were placed here for a reason, mm -hmm. so we have to do good on earth too. Yeah. Can't just be focused on, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I like that. Yeah. So, uh. Because there's, there's a lot of evil in this world, so we've well, got to do something. Yeah. There's, too, there's too much focus on sin. I yeah. will say it flat out. So mm -hmm. we focus too much on the bad stuff, on the sin. Um, who's doing it? What's considered a sin? Is this a sin? Or why is this not a sin? Should I like ask for forgiveness of my sins? Because I, I think I might do it the next time. So is that like last time I asked for forgiveness completely BS? And like you can go on that forever. And so I think what Jesus was trying to, to point out, number one is the hypocrisy of those that think they are sinless um, or think they are doing way better than everybody else at least. So there's that side of things like the people that are like, I'm actually doing pretty well. You need to check yourself, girl. Um, but Jesus said, oh, have you looked in the mirror lately? And he like called out every little like, could you imagine you're like, Dude, I am looking good. I got my tux on. I got my hair combed or my beard groomed, whatever kind of hair you might have. Um, I'm looking good. And all of a sudden, you're like judging Queen Victoria on The Bachelor uh, about, like, you know, whatever she's wearing, her bra strap is showing, or whatever you guys talk about. And uh, Jesus goes, Oh, hey, did you notice that pimple on your nose or that mole? Because you were. You're, like, looking at everybody else pretty well, but have you looked at yourself lately? Um, so that's one side of sin that I think we overlook a lot of times. And the other side is, why are we so worried about what other people are doing um, as far as, like, I'm, I'm, I need to work on myself before I should start judging anybody else. Now, I can obviously try to, like, help people understand the destruction that they might be going towards absolutely but when i start like assuming anything of is with sin um jesus will definitely like point out put you in your place put you in your place <laughs> yep and there like some sort of proverb or something about like cutting pulling your own eye out or something like yep do, do don't you yeah uh 
so it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. He gives a lot of like fun um, examples of things in there. It's Matthew. Prob- I look at Matthew because it's like the longer version of everything. Um, but he goes, let's see. Matthew 7, 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? Mm -hmm. That's the one. There's another one, though, that's like something about if you cut off, like... Yep, it's still part of that same sermon that he's given. So he goes, you know, if you look at a chick in the wrong way lustfully, um, then you should poke your eye out. If if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Um, And all these things. And... You look at it on the surface and you're like, geez, that is severe, Jesus. I thought you were all loving and here to show us all that kind of stuff. Well, if you look at the beginning of when he starts telling you all this, I think it's in, uh, we'll just use um, Matthew, I think it is, yeah, Matthew chapter 5. Um, and he just says, hey, you guys who are listening, listen up. And then he starts going on about all these things that we're talking about. Chop off your arm and, um, you know, if you if you think about, like, hurting somebody in your head, you're committing murder in your heart already. All these things. Super severe. But he's actually saying, hey, those who are hearing me, who are Jews, who are uh, probably observant Jews that are listening in on Jesus' sermons, he's like, hey, Sadducees, hey, Pharisees, hey, guys that are, like, super perfect. If you guys are so perfect, then why is your heart causing you to do all these things that I know you're doing, but you won't admit or you won't show others you're doing? Because if you're thinking about your brother in that way, you should probably go ahead and kill yourself because you just committed murder in your heart. Or if you're, I saw you check out that girl's butt. I mean, yeah, she definitely works out, but like you're still committing fornication in your heart. And it's not about your outward actions or your outward appearance. It's about your heart and where your heart's at and... And Jesus, among everybody in the entire world, says, I'm here to work on your heart. I'm not here to work on your actions or your words. That'll follow. Your heart is what I'm after. And when you actually know who I am, the rest of the stuff will kind of follow in suit. So something interesting that I found, um, back to the what would Jesus do statement, is that that phrase, even though it made like a real popular... Right? Didn't you have the bracelet? Up and coming in like the 90s. I did not have the bracelet, the bracelet. But I knew a lot of people that did. did. Um, and I knew it was really cool. And I thought I was always wondered about it. So even though that, that phrase, um, like, what would Jesus do, made like its big comeback in the 90s with like the bracelets, mm-hmm. um, it really originated in June 28th. Cool day, huh? Hey, my your birthday. Hey, hey. Um, in 1891. Hey, your birth year. <laughs> <laughs> You're not it originated a nice in 1891, <laughs> right? I'm like brand new. Um, <laughs> wow. His name was Charles um, Spurgeon. Oh, Chuck Spurgeon did it. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very famous peacher. So peacher. Was- <laughs> <laughs> he grew peaches and he spoke the word. <laughs> So yeah, he is the one who introduced that term um, basically in one of his sermons, but he was also citing a book that was written in 1418 by another individual. So wondering if maybe like some of those 
pieces were taken from like the 1400s or if it's really like his concept that he came up with it's pretty simple concept it's cool if you think about it 1891 is when he said it in like the 90s is when that was like a thing no hundred years later that's cool to think about really surfaced back because i i don't remember it being a big thing until like we were like in in the 90s like mm-hmm. we were 90s kids we were born in the yeah. 80s you know yep. so that was like the coolest thing that like, you had the bracelets when you were at skating rink and like everybody had them and, and some you hold your boyfriend's in the dark. hand in the slow and I, whatever I feel like the what would Jesus bracelets what would Jesus do bracelets really set the tone for like you know how you always see like those breast cancer awareness bracelets or like um, people make bracelets when people pass Yeah, and all yeah that. because that never was a thing until after those bracelets right? came out. So what would Jesus do? He would make bracelets so started for people. A, started no. a movement. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon the is the reason for movement. all those douchey bracelets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I have a rubber bracelet because I were care pretty so douchey. much. <laughs> Look, I care about cancer and AIDS and um, human rights. And this one is just because I gave blood. <laughs> so what do you know about this Charles guy? Like, why is he relevant? I didn't look into him. Oh, just... he's just a like a one of those powerful 18th, 19th century preachers. Sounds like a writer. Charles uh, Spurgeon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They, Sounds like a famous fancy. writer. Like Charles his, his writings and teachings still are used a lot by uh, preachers today. He's more of like the, like, fire and brimstone-y type guy. Um, because that's kind of how everybody was back in the day, and right. I mean, um, yeah, they, the the grace of God, and that's why I wanted to highlight like we focus so much on sin. We focus so much on sin as a religion. I don't understand it. I don't. Well, because like sin doesn't hold us back. Like there's nothing in the Bible that says like if you sin, you're not going to see me. It's I mean, if you know Jesus, then you want to be a better person and you're less likely to sin because you're trying to live a better life. But you're always going to live an imperfect life because we're not Mary or Jesus or any of these perfect Mary was not perfect. I don't think Mary was perfect. No, but I thought she was chosen because she had led a sinless life. That's a Catholic thing. No. No, She wasn't sinless? She was not sinless. No. There's only one sinless person in... Jesus Christ is the only sinless person. Yep. So, um, and with that, this says, like, what does the phrase really mean? Like, what does the question, what would Jesus do? Um, Like, what is it really trying to say? What is it really trying to ask? And really, it's trying to get people just to assess, like, what did Jesus do in situations like this? What would Jesus do in a situation like mine? And how can I emulate him? So basically what I'm getting from this is that whenever I am really wanting to send a pointed email or a comment back to like something that I feel like, hello, I just want to tell you like I'm paying this service and you should be a little bit nicer about like said I can go anywhere else to get said service, um, I should really stop and think, would Jesus send that email? Would Jesus, would Jesus say that? And how can I better portray him in my interaction if I do feel that I need to say, I need to break up with your services? Yeah, Jesus seemed to know people's hearts better than they knew their own. Obviously, we might not have, like, divine power to discern that kind of stuff. So I, I always err on the side of, of empathy, putting yourself in that person's shoes, trying to understand where they're coming from. Which is not easy when you're very, very frustrated. But I think you're right overall. Yeah. 
So how many times have you guys thought about, like, the what would Jesus do staying, like, since the 90s? Because I haven't thought about that since, like, slap bracelets. Honestly, since you even (laughs) mentioned it tonight, it never has even, like, entered my brain since... I think the last time I even saw one of those bracelets or thought about it or anything was sixth or seventh grade. (laughs) That was it. I don't know. Then after that, I just moved on with my life. It is funny, though, that, like, at a certain age, you were uncool if you did not have that bracelet. But then where do we grow out of that? It's cool to to be a, a Jesus freak versus, like, now I feel like it's kind of taboo. Like, a lot of schools don't talk about it. No, they're not allowed they're to. They're not allowed to. <laughs> they're not allowed. Don't even get me on this. Do they still say the Pledge of Allegiance? I don't think some schools not do. standardized. Yeah. I know you don't like the answer I gave, but... Um, there's not a straight answer to what would Jesus do in every single situation because he probably has way more patience than you're ever Well, he's have. a Holy Spirit. I can tell you, I like, mean, well, we he can't wouldn't even respond. compare. Yeah, he would respond like you. I can say that, but then that's just sounding judgy. So, like, of course Jesus has, like, complete control and, yeah, and understanding it's of things, totally. It's so. like comparing apples to onions. That's why we trust Jesus They call it the faith of Jesus for a reason. It's because Jesus had the faith that we needed to live through him. And so we don't have to be perfect because he was perfect for us. I mean, that's... I think the whole goal is essentially just to... If you're in a situation where you have a choice to respond, then think about what you're doing and always give grace to other people and always try to show empathy and love and be a good example of the Lord. Yep. So he's not expecting all of us to react to situations exactly how he would because we never can because we're not a Holy Spirit. But he can remind us that we should try to react differently than, you know, just... It's easier to say than... So basically there's not a lot of examples in the Bible of Jesus being put in situations where he has to be, like, confronting. It really just shows more about how he was kind to... Well, he confronts the the leaders of the Jewish religion plenty throughout the Bible. And I, I read a couple of those examples when he was like, see guys, this is how you're acting this is how you should be he usually did it i mean sometimes he was very direct and he was like you guys are snakes and here's why and other times he told stories to kind of like go around the direct like you guys are a-holes he would tell a parable and be like so who is the better of the two of that and then they're like they had to answer and then he's like oh i guess you guys are wrong then so like (laughs) he had a few ways of confrontation sometimes he will he would definitely call out hypocrisy when he saw it directly um but i think most of the time he wanted the people to get there themselves so he would always ask the people questions like the woman at the well he you know he started the conversation with some questions and he goes well isn't the person you're with now not your husband and it, it was always kind of a, an interrogatory question for the even the, the Sadducees and Pharisees of the day. He would always be like, what do you guys say when this da 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 
and they're like, oh crap, we have to answer this or this, and if we answer either way, he's right. Shoot! Of course he's right, he's Jesus, <laughs> but they didn't know that. <clears throat> what do you got there, Jen? So, when you were talking about, like, how Jesus, like, executed and, like, said things, one thing that he, that stood out to me is when, the way he talked to his mom in one of the... Woman? Yes! <laughs> Oh my goodness! Did you pull it up? I'm trying to find it right now. I'll get it. It was his first miracle. Is it John 19? Is that right? Oh, maybe. I thought it was early because it was one of his first miracles. But um, yeah, so he's at a wedding, and I think he has his 12 homies with him too. But his mom Mary is with him at the wedding, and she's like, "Jesus, you'll never, you know, you know, Julie and, and Simon, right?" The, the couple, the, the happy couple, you know how she is. She never plans ahead. They don't have enough wine for this party. There's way too many people here, and they're a little a little uh, thirsty, if you know what I mean. So, Jesus, I know you're special in some way. We need some wine, dude. And he's like, woman, it's not my time yet. And, oh, she's got the... John 2-4. Oh. <laughs> John 2-4. I have never heard this story. It, like, this has made my me. night. And I had to like ask like what because woman and Gio can explain the word here in a minute, but it means something different than the way that we would interpret it. Where we consider it like if you would say this line to me, I, if Mateo said this to me, I'd be like, "What'd you say? Come back here. <laughs> what a backhand you." <laughs> I said, <"Bish." laughs> "Yeah, that Keaton Hill skit." <laughs> anyway, so John chapter two, something verse three. When the wine was gone, let's not let's not go to why it was gone. Stupid Julie. Um, Jesus' mother, <laughs> when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Oh, okay. And Jesus goes, and it's not with an exclamation point, but I always say it this way. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, he's just moody. Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> And nearby, they had some water jars, and he's like, tell them what to do, fill them with water. And then the the bachelor, or the groom's... Yeah, I was going to say, you make him sound a like a booty bachelor. Like, oh my god. And then Victoria was like... No, and then the, the groomsman was like, dude, this is the best wine. Why did we save it till the last? Like, you brought the good wine out last? This is awesome. So the idea is he called his mom woman for some reason. The funny thing is, in the NIV... Um, it actually like has a little highlight next to the word woman, and it goes, The Greek for woman does not denote any disrespect. Oh <laughs> so other people had the same question. Uh, yeah, I bet within 2,000 years, somebody besides you was like, why is he being such a... The first time I read that was when I was pretty immature in my faith, and I was like, I'm going to read the Bible through because I want to say that I've read the Bible. And when I read that, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, he really spoke to his mom that way? But like, the other my thing... mom would have slapped me. No, not really. My mom was not, not a smacking type, but she would have totally put a bar of soap in my mouth. <laughs> the other thing that I think why the Bible recorded it this way, at least, why John did, is he, in another passage, is like talking to a group of people in a, in a tiny little house and his mom and brothers are outside, like, and and somebody's like, "Hey, Jesus, your family's outside waiting for you." And he, and not once again, not in a disrespectful way, but he goes, "Who is my my mom? Who are my brothers? Isn't it everybody that you know trusts in God and and believes in the Messiah?" And so he's trying to point out when he uses these terms, 
because he says it later on um, when he's on the cross too he talks to this other guy named John and he's like woman behold your son uh, and John behold your mother but he calls her woman again he's identifying as a de- like as the I don't want to sound wrong here but he's identifying humanity as um, we're either all brothers and sisters or we're all just man and woman but let's try to like not focus so much on this like hey I'm I'm my brothers and sisters are God's children we're all God's children so let's all kind of treat each other that way he wanted to really highlight just because she's my mom doesn't mean she gets better respect or better treatment necessarily in, in everything um, so he didn't really necessarily honor like bloodline over well, connection. Well, he did. Is I don't want to sound saying? that because he was perfect, and, and of course he followed the Old Testament law too. So of course he honored his father and mother. Well, that's why I'm wondering: is the Old Testament law like yeah. really alluding to honoring thy father and mo- mother as something else? Kind of like how Christ mm-hmm. is in the bride, and like there's all these different parallel or parallel. How do you say oh, that? Uh, parables. Par- parables. There's all these different parables. Oh yeah. So could that mean something different? Yeah. Could be. I. I mean, I have always taken that one is as direct as the rest of them have are presented in that because then you can get into well what is really coveting your neighbor's wife because i just want to like <laughs> i don't covet her so like you can start what getting is coveting it basically means like i want that girl or i want that goat oh your like kind of having wife, jealous yeah. feelings and wanting what like your neighbor has mm-hmm. versus being satisfied yeah. with what you have yep Basically watching The Bachelor. That's a thin line between like life goals then and like jealousy. Because like sometimes you see what other people have and you're like, dude, what did they do to get that? And what can I do to get that? Uh, So anyway, back to the father and mother thing. Right. Like I want a yacht. Or that house in Texas. Yeah, or that house in Texas. I don't really want a yacht. I couldn't. Or a kitchen with marble countertops. That that house in Texas was pretty cool though. I would not mind living there. Well, I would totally have chickens if I had land in Texas. That'd be so cool. Always so why why does it say honor your father and mother if Jesus is speaking to his mom that way? That is unique. And, well, I, and I think that's why it's trying to highlight, of course Jesus was a good son. Of course he, like, he had his human moments as a kid, I'm sure. But, like, of course he was a good, like, perfect person. So it's not he's being disrespectful. He's trying to use that as a highlight to share, like, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the family of all of us. Um, Couldn't people take parts of those commandments, though, and, like, just pick them apart all to hell? Because, like, I'm thinking on this honor your father and mother part, like, so are people supposed to feel like they're sinning if they have awful parents who are, like, trying to, like, what if you have satanic parents? You're supposed to honor them. You're still supposed to honor your father and mother and follow in their ways and do everything they say when you like you know that it's not right. I've struggled with that. Because you know what I mean? It's like, are yeah. you like yeah. where does the line cross where Jesus is like, I told you to honor your father and mother, but is this is okay? Yeah. Like, how are you and supposed they have to, know to be that? able to meet you halfway? So I've struggled a lot, a lot, a lot with this over the years. Um, you know, like my father has addiction issues and didn't like me I guess I should say like growing up um so I'm a little bit more standoffish to that relationship even though he's um open to more um 
and I really struggle with that. Like, am I being dishonorable? Like, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be hateful. I still care. I'm just not. I don't I'm, want a relationship. I'm very, like, yeah. guard your heart because mm-hmm. everything else you do flows from it. Like, that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. verses. Um, and it's there for a reason. And it, it means, like, I mean, if you've been hurt and you've been, like, you feel guarded by something. Like, I don't think it's wrong for you. I don't think that's dishonoring that person because you're more guarded by their wrongdoings. Like they had the opportunity to have a, a clean slate with you or a pure life or a good life. Um, and the path that they chose should not be my sin or my consequence to bear. Like I shouldn't have to, to carry that burden. Like right. it stinks, and but is it just like in our human nature to like always question things? And maybe like if maybe Jesus is like, you guys are reading too much into this. Like it's simple. I just want you to love each other and be good people mm-hmm. and honor me. And that's all like, don't read into it. Like be a good person. That's all I want you to do. do like what you maybe can. that's maybe <laughs> so. we're like looking way too. We're picking at every little tiny thing, and then it's confusing everyone. So yeah. what? Um, I can't remember what episode it was, but we talked a little bit about the law of Moses, the Old Testament covenant, and maybe why those laws were established in the first place. And I, I suggested one of the many theories was. Maybe the Israelites were the ones that wanted some set of, like, uh, parameters in order for them to interact with God. Because, like I had said, he was so awesome that, yeah. that they're like, we need a mediator, right? So they set up this whole, it seems like God's like, I'll deal on your level, guys. I'll, I see where you're at, and here's here's the laws. I still want to play with my little kids, but I understand if you're scared of me right now. So what if even those first ten commandments, even if they are the pillars of some people consider them the pillars of Christianity, right? They were still part of the Old Testament law given by God to Moses. What if that was those Ten Commandments, although they are they're good in in and of themselves, they're not to be adhered to above Jesus Christ Himself. And when you listen to what Jesus Christ said and did, it differed a little bit than those old laws. He still followed them as an observant Jew. He went to all the f- festivals and all the things that he was supposed to. He attended. Um, you know, the slaughterings and all the stuff that they did. But the reality is those were set in place, it seems like, possibly. I don't want to assume this is right, but maybe because that's what the Jew- the Israelites of the time wanted, not necessarily what God was trying to tell us to do. Because, like you had said, the one commandment is is love God with all your heart and love man with all your heart. Wait, that's one law? Yeah, they're inter- in- inextricably connected with each other right yeah i think we just try to make it as humans like we want to build a guidebook off of like a blanket statement (laughs) and we always want more information yeah and we could talk about this forever so in summary basically going back to the what would jesus sinners (laughs) so going back to the what would jesus do statement i would really like to see jesus in rush hour traffic i feel like then i would really know how i should be as a human and how i should base like my life and i'm not talking like first day rush hour traffic like Like, i'm talking been in rush hour traffic for about six months straight and you just cannot take it anymore and his boss boss is really riding him at work and you're five minutes late now because of this 
like stalled way. He's got to pick like, up the kids before the daycare shuts down. Like he's it's a just whole thing. I really would love to angles. see how that situation got navigated because I feel like I could learn a lot about how I. I what do you think he would do? Let's, let's just take your best guess. What oh, would he do? I don't even want come on, to come go on, there because he'd make me feel lesser. Perfect. Okay, go. <laughs> he would probably pray for them. He'd be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna pray for this person and hope they have a blessed day." And where I'm like. Wow, every cuss word I can think of, you what are dumb. Some of those? <laughs> I, I just like to think of Bruce Almighty where he's like, what? And like, oh. all the cars go <laughs> That is true. Jesus wouldn't even have this problem because he can part the sea, aka I 70 Highway. He's wearing his tuxedo t shirt under his suit jacket. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch Bruce Almighty again. Cheers to that. All right. Thank Cheers. you.